This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along The Way. This podcast is supported by our friends at the Stoke City Fans from All Around The World Facebook group. And we have an action-packed pod for you this week. We've got a quick review of the Fulham match, because then we're moving on to the transfer window roundup. We've got some audio from Stoke and Huddersfield supporters. Radio Stoke's Graham McGarry joins us to give his prediction for the weekend's game against Huddersfield and much, much more. Uh, so, first of all, Mike, how's your week been? Yeah, I've been okay, thank you, mate. Much appreciate uh, you asking. I mean, t- to be honest, I mean, I've been really missing the pod this last week. It's it's really difficult. I mean, we've only been doing this for probably three or four weeks in total, but, you know, you get into a flow and, you know, you get used to things and uh, it's been really difficult not actually doing a pod. Uh, but if anything, it's given me more time to do some prep work. Um, to be fair, I'm actually away with work at the minute, mate. I'm in Leeds and I'm on some kind of makeshift balcony type thing so uh only only way we could actually get a pod out this week is me uh, doing it from some random place in leeds so um yeah please obviously bear with me if we get any kind of wind interference or anything like that um unfortunately it's kind of unavoidable uh from my side this week but uh yeah really good to be back mate uh looking forward to huddersfield this weekend and um fingers crossed we're going to get three points good good well i've done some puppies arrived today my dogs my dogs had pups um, nice. so that's, kept, that's kept me busy. So, so if you do hear any squeaking or little little high pitched barks coming <laughs> over the next uh, hour or so that, we, that you're listening to this pod, they, they don't be worried. <laughs> that's where that's where they're coming from. <laughs> I was say, how, how many pups have you had? Uh, she's had five. Yes, five, five. five little shit two puppies. Because you're on top of the other uh, 700 puppies she had the other week, and <laughs> you've got your hands full, mate. I have a daughter who wants to be a vet, so she's she's uh, she wanted her dogs to have a litter just for a bit of, you know, just for the experience of it all. So yeah, but she's now in bed and I'm down here looking after him. So how does that work? <laughs> well, you have to just get do as you told, mate. We know it works. <laughs> yeah, she's she's <laughs> she's definitely understanding how it all works now. To get dad do it. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we've had some great numbers as well uh, coming through. Uh, even the past two weeks when we haven't had a match, 
Um, just there's been people tuning in and we've had some good feedback from the, about the pod. Uh, so thank you everyone again who's, who's listening and you know getting in touch with us and letting us know that you're enjoying it. Um, and even if you aren't enjoying it, you know, get in touch, let us know what why. And uh, you know, we'll because we, we appreciate all feedback here at every step along the way. Yeah, so you can hear us. We are on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And obviously the Anchor app, as well as all yeah, all main podcast apps there. Fingers and all pies. <laughs> That's the one. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are. We are available wherever we can get it. We're we're there. <laughs> Whoever will have us. <laughs> um, yes. So Fulham, we, we're going to keep this brief. I think this week, aren't we, Mark? Got yeah. Stranger. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely, mate. I mean, what what were your kind of thoughts on the Fulham match? Did you get actually? Much chance to watch any of the highlights or any extended? Uh, maybe I don't know. Did you even watch the match? Maybe. Uh, no, unfortunately, I was at to work uh, that day. Unfortunately, so I didn't get to see the match. But I've sort of uh, kept, suddenly seen the extended highlights, um, and that, and it looked, and read a few reports, and it it seems like what you know what was maybe expected or yeah, not if not expected. You know, not surprised at, shall we say? I, I'll, you know, I don't think it's um, being too adventurous to say that they are the best team in this division, and they, in my eyes, will win this division. Maybe even by a considerable margin this season. And the fact is, that is the hardest game we will play. And I think we we called it in. We we said, you know, don't get too downhearted. I know we. Did see some Stoke fans getting quite downhearted after the game. Try not to be. I think we need what what we need to do is we seem to be outclassed. We've got to use that experience now. Them young lads have got to use that experience to realise that that's the level they need to get to, yeah. to be at the top end of this league. And and that that's what they've got to do. They've got to use it as a positive, turn it into a positive. I think for me as well, I mean, if you look at that Fulham team, I mean, a number of them players would get into a Premier League team. Maybe not a top 10 team, but they they get into a Premier League team. Mitrovic absolutely would get into a Premier League team. Um, so, you know, you've got players that we're, we're in a situation where we're rebuilding in a completely different way. And I think O'Neill actually, funny enough, said this in, in his um, interview with Angela Smith um, on the Stokes side. I mean, just saying that, you know, we, we can't go out now and spend... 20 30 40 50 million he you know he openly said that yeah we used to do that and he didn't really say that in, in, in terms of didn't go any further but in other words he's saying we spent the money we messed it around we we, we did some very bad deals um and well look you know we can't start complaining about other teams that's what he was trying to get at and um i mean absolutely mate. i must admit i'm quite fortunate because i do actually have access to all the games um after the event so i can actually watch all the way through even if i'm not physically there at the time um i'd say you spot on i think overall it wasn't the result anybody wanted obviously uh, it wasn't a very good performance to be honest you could you could see fulham's um ability and i think that was the the overriding factor mate i don't think it was the case that we're all of a sudden a bad team overnight because we we certainly aren't but again they're kind of Premier League-ish team kind of shone through. I agree with you that they'll be at the top of the league. I think, as you said, I think they'll run away as a canter. I, I really do. And I mean, unless they have some really bad luck, uh, you know, that's pretty much what's going to it's what's going to take them forward. I mean, we just need to rebuild, and we're going to have to accept that at times we're not going to win football matches. 
no team goes through the whole season without losing. Fulham will lose. It's as simple as that. So we need to accept it. And I must admit, there was there's probably one highlight from the game, and I suppose it's not always a good highlight when your goalkeeper is the uh, the main talking point, really, Dan. But Mercy um, <laughs> had a, a very good game, mate. You know, he he made some quite um, routine saves, shall we say? Uh, nothing overly special, but you know, at the end of the day, he probably kept us in it. I know he's, he's obviously saved the penalty, uh, which is the first goalkeeper to save a penalty in Stoke City's history. So that's obviously always a always a nice thing. Um, and I just, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go a bit of a rant here. And I just want to kind of expand on what you said about fan reaction. Um, I'm going to use some probably quite strong words here. Some reaction from some Stoke fans was nothing short of embarrassing after that match. I had to turn Twitter off because I thought if I just keep listening to this drivel coming out of some people's mouths I was gonna I was gonna bite back and I thought I'm not gonna do that. Anyone would think we just lost three 0 to a newly promoted team with under twenty three players. It wasn't the case. You know th- th- we've had a great start to this season. I mean I was on uh, Radio Stoke in the week, I'll just plug that out straight away. And obviously now I'm I'm, I'm, having, to, I'm, I'm having to go, go and do these podcasts, you know. <laughs> I got to t- take uh, take a dip, but never mind. Anyway, um so we've no we've won three and we've drawn one out of five. And obviously we progressed in the cup. Everyone's welcome to their opinions, but for me, we just need to get a bit real here. Uh, we're not going to win every game. We need to stop throwing our toys at the pram. I mean, that team night out picture, mate, I just couldn't believe some of the rubbish I was hearing. I mean, you know, yes, the lads have gone out. It's international break. They haven't got a midweek match. They're not going to be training again on Tuesday, whatever it was. Harry Suter's has taken a picture for anyone who, do- who doesn't see it. He's taken a picture while the lads are out, obviously in London after the match, um, and they're just having a, a really good time. And I don't see why anyone's got a particular issue with that. Do they want them to be monks between the you know the days of Monday to Friday? Let them have a break from a good start to the season. Give them a chance to bond as a team because there's a lot of new players in there, and just get real. The human beings. I just I couldn't believe it. And unfortunately, you know, sorry, fortunately, it was probably a minority, Dan, to be honest. But I just couldn't believe some of the crap I was hearing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean. Like you say, how dare they go out and you know bond as a team? They're all it was you know they're all young lads in there. Did they, they you know they live strict strict lives you know Monday to Saturday? So why not let be able to let their hairs down? You know, yeah. Oh, they've been defeated. Well, actually, yeah. How you, how you react together as a unit in defeat is just as important as you do as after a win. If they've gone out. And they've, you know, bonded, and you know, that's probably brought them together closer together as a group as well. So, what's the issue yeah. with it? <laughs> I think that's just it. There isn't an issue. People were annoyed because we didn't win, and they're just trying to poke a hole in whatever they can find. And uh, again, I know it's minority. And look, if you know, if anyone's listened to this and they're one of them people who've had a go, you're welcome to your opinion, but I'm welcome to disagree with you. So, uh, Luke, yeah, that, that's that's kind of that's kind of where we are. Um, and you know, when I looked at the actual. Um, game to be honest looked at the actual stats i mean we didn't perform very well i mean the possession was practically 50 50 down to be honest um the main kind of probably key indicators and this is where a bit more quality kind of shines through i mean they had like 20 shots to our 11 and they had a 45 percent on target accuracy ratio as well compared to our 27 percent so again it shows you know it wasn't a matter of us not having enough of the ball they just did more with it it was as simple as that for me i think we just we need to write this one off 
accept that we've lost, move on, and you know, hopefully try and um, improve. And obviously, this weekend against Huddersfield, which again we'll get onto that shortly. But I, I think personally, we've got a, a great opportunity to to get back to winning ways. Yeah, um, I, I'm looking forward to this week. Yeah, definitely am this Saturday. I think the fact they they've actually had a better start again, so. Woe betide us on Stoke Twitter if we don't win. <laughs> well, we we all know about um, about charity SCFC, don't we? We all know about that, mate. So you won't be surprised because everyone knows with well anyone who's listened to be honest for the last three or four weeks, and anyone who's follows the, the Twitter page, we love a good poll. And every single week we had the man of the match poll. And um, you know what I would probably say is we've put us. A, a, kind of post out today with the running totals uh, from the weekly polls as well. So uh, have a look on there in terms of who's leading that. But uh, yeah, the Man of Match poll from Fulham, <laughs> this is probably the most one-sided uh, result I think I've ever seen from Man of the Match poll. But, okay, so we give them a, give everyone a few options. I think it was Joe Allen, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think it was Harry Suter and, and, and Bursic, I think, uh, with the with the options. Um, and uh, you won't be surprised to see that Bursic absolutely smashed the poll with uh, a 96% <laughs> agreement <laughs> ratio. Um, <laughs> only Harry Suter made up the other 4%. I mean... I know we, we give them a few points for our table, that, that, but that was might as well take all of them, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So that says everything again about the game. It was just one of them ones we need to accept and just write off. Yeah, I think um, if anything, it, Joe Joe Bursic is a, he cemented his number one spot for him. <laughs> There's one positive. Yeah, but to even save a penalty, I think that means he's he's got that shirt for the next five seasons, hasn't he? I mean, who who's the last? Per- I mean, I know probably Jack Butland was probably the last one to actually save a penalty, but that probably was in the uh, in the cup against Chelsea. I would expect uh, it was something yeah. stupid like twenty odd penalties, wasn't it? That we hadn't saved one. Yeah, not a, not a bad play. Yeah, not a bad player to have your last penalty saved against Eddie Hazard, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, that's but yeah, funny. in the league, in the league, I think it has been. Quite a while. I can't remember the last one. That's how long it's been. <laughs> well, there you go then, mate. So, yeah, like I say, we're, we're not going to dwell too much on, on, on the Fulham game. I think that's um, I think that's left uh, to, to one side and we'll get some revenge on them when they come to the Bet365 later in the season. Um, so I want to just kind of do a quick uh, segment called basically uh, Football News or Stoke City News in general. But um, there's was one kind of topic which... Um, did a bit of a tweet out in, in the week on my, my, my own personal Twitter, and I'm keen to get everyone's thoughts on this, um, especially obviously yours as we speak right now, Dan. But um, vaccine passports. So let me just read you a little kind of uh, segment that's kind of come up, and obviously everyone's aware of what vaccine passports are. But uh, this was a post that was put out by one of the, I think, one of the first ministers um, from the government. Uh, so vaccine passports will be required for nightclubs, mass events, and large venues in England by the end of September. Uh, they want to make sure the whole economy remains open through the autumn. There are fears their return to school could set off a new wave of infections. So that's one of the main things. Now, for me, Dan, this opens up a bit of kind of worms here. So we're obviously all going to need them for the for the actual football matches by the looks of it from October. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I'll get your thoughts. And again, please, everyone, do send us a comment on Twitter, whatever you want to do, uh, get in touch. But um, so three questions. What does it mean to get into the game? So how can we prevent queues? What about season ticket holders who are not double jabbed or not doing the tests? Do they get a refund? Um, 
is this a bit of a blinking nightmare for the club to try and arrange? I probably I think there's a lot to say there, but uh, what's your initial thoughts, Dan, on how we could possibly go about sorting all this out? I think there is the potential for chaos. <laughs> Every club <laughs> as well, not just Stoke, I think across the entire yeah. country. I mean, it's going to be so difficult to police. There's going to be, I think, that's that's before you get into like, the ethical side of it, of, of whether they should be enforced as such, you know. But it's, it's, if it's to keep people safe, you know, and, and to save people's lives, then fair enough, you know, I can see, I can understand it. But like I say, how you go about enforcing it is it's another matter. I mean, the cues can be big enough, but surely then to make to have big queues outside the ground to get in, how how is that going to be beneficial to keeping people trying to keep people apart and trying to stop spreading um, COVID? Because I mean, even if you even if you've got your, your two jabs, doesn't mean you doesn't mean you haven't got you you can't get it, you can't carry it. It doesn't mean you can't get really ill from it. It yeah. just means you've got less chance. But like yeah. I say, so the, the answer to do it is to end up, you're going to end up with massive queues or you're going to start, you're going to have to ask people to get there about 12 o'clock and give them a certain time or you have to come in between 12 and half 12 and then the next batch will come between half 12 and 1. Yeah, it's just you not... just know we haven't got to have the staff numbers to do that, are we? Let's be no. honest. No, I mean, I, I, I know a guy, one of, the, one of the, the chief stewards down there and he he, he comes, I speak to him quite regularly, and he he's, he works out of the away end of that, and he says it's a night, it's it's been a nightmare to be honest at, at times, just because of all like you know people basically not not adhering to what to any kind of social distancing or not. Oh no, you know it's just a free for all basically, and he says it's 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 impossible to to police as it is, let alone with all this added in as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate. I mean, I think the only option the club have basically got, I think, is to just accept the queues and maybe try and recruit a hell of a lot more, um, you know, temporary or part. I don't know how it's done. Maybe on a voluntary basis, or and they get the match for free. I don't know what. I don't know how they do it, but um, you know, generally get some more staff in, and they're going to have to walk the line to check people's passports before as people are queuing up. I think that's probably the only way they're going to be able to do it because we, you know, there's no club that's going to have an app that you could effectively link it to your, uh, you know, your season ticket or your match day ticket. It's not going to happen. That app doesn't exist, uh, and neither will, will they make it exist just for the sake of a football match. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting topic, mate. I don't know if there is a really simple answer. Uh, I'm sure the club, no doubt, will already be thinking about this and you know we'll already be looking into it so um yeah, we'll keep I mean, an I eye out i don't envy them i don't know I, I don't it'd be an absolute nightmare to police like you said but we'll see what happens um on that one and uh another thing i wanted to bring up as well so um there's one particular person who played his last game for stoke city 20 years ago today now this is making me feel old mate um now he gave us a number of uh, really good memories uh, one no not so good memory but overall very very good memories um and it was this particular chap right here
So, yeah, the one and only uh, Peter Thorne, um, what a player he was. I mean, you could say he's probably the last real prolific striker that we've had. I mean, we've had the likes of Fuller and co over the years, obviously. But when I'm t- when I'm thinking about prolific, you know, he, he sticks in my mind. And that audio just puts kind of shivers down your spine, um, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll always hold legendary status for me. I'm sure he will do for a, a lot of people. Um, just the memories of, of that day with Carve and Thorne and, Wembley packed to the rafters. Absolutely amazing, mate. Um, what was kind of one of your memories of, of Thorny? I thought he, he's a real childhood hero of mine. I was devastated when he left. Um, so thanks for bringing all these, you know, all this <laughs> stuff back up for me. It's <laughs> no, like a counselling session, this, isn't it? <laughs> no, I was. I, I used to love Peter Thorne. Um, I remember, like I say, he, he sort of joined. He was, he was like you said there. He just knew where the back of the net was. The ball, put the ball in the right area, and he'd get his head on it, he'd get his toe on it, he'd get his, his knee, his, whatever it took. He just knew how to put the ball in the back of the net. And I mean, good John, good John used to love him, didn't he? And we all, and we all loved him. And the, I remember him netting four against Chesterfield. I think he scored for a while, and he was sort of getting a bit twitchy about, you know, was he going to be replaced and all that. And, and then he scored four turns to Chesterfield, and then we won five one. Anders Jakobsen, I think, got the other goal. And then from there, I swear he scored. And that was the first of March, and between I think March, April, and May, he scored something like something ridiculous, like twenty two in sixteen games, and scored like four hat tricks. <laughs> and then I know we got to like the playoffs, and he ended up being injured in the playoffs. And I think if he hadn't have been him alone, he would have he would have been promoted that year. We don't uh, have much even, love, do we, about playoffs? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Something always goes wrong, whether it's Rob Styles or or also injury or ninety-seven minutes worth of injury time, whatever it was. Mike Dean, I think, was was he the ref that day? <laughs> I think it was, yeah. I suppose it wasn't. Uh, what's his face? We had a uh, we had a bit of an issue with in the Premier League. Uh, Atkinson. I'm surprised oh, he, he, even he didn't make an appearance. He was the fourth official as a 20-year-old or something stupid. I'm yeah. sure he was there somehow. <laughs> but no, honestly, <laughs> mate, I, to- I totally get it. You know, again, we don't want to cover... I still think he deserves a, a little bit of a segment here. So that's why I wanted to bring him up. And I think my just before we kind of move on, my lasting memory of of Thorne was actually on that particular day. Um, I was only a younger kid then, and I went with my dad and my, my uncle. Uh, we were standing right on the steps that they actually walk up to to get the trophy. Um, and I just remember having, um, you know, he's walking up there. I've got a scarf around my neck. I've said to my, my uncle, can I, can, I, can I give him the scarf? He's like, yeah, yeah, give him the scarf. So I went, Thorny, Thorny, and I give, put my scarf around his neck. And then the next day as a kid, him and Cav holding the trophy with my scarf around the neck that he's then given to Gudjon Thorson. Um, and I always wonder what actually came of that particular uh, scarf. But again, it's them little things as a child. I and mean, so I'm sure kids now will have something uh, from the recent times, but it always stays in my mind. It was just a special, special time. Uh, we've had some great times since, but yeah, that's what kind of stuck in my, med, uh, my mind rather uh, for Thorny. Yeah, I mean... Just one last thing I want to say. It, it just shows the measure of the man and just how much of a hero he was at that time. That he joined he joined Cardiff, didn't he? In the same way, I mean, Kavanagh joined Cardiff the year before mm-hmm. and it was put in a very different way, I think, when the transfers. Although I think I think both of them were really didn't want to leave Stoke. 
uh, were quite upset that they were going. There were a few tears shed from both of them, as far as you know, as far as I've led to believe. They were held. They were men, you know the, when they got to the other end. There were two very different stories told, weren't they, from what Kavanaugh did, and you know, and now the you know the Stoke fans reacted to that. Even to this day, some people still haven't forgiven him. I, no, I haven't, mate, to be honest, because I, I remember his comments. He, he was like, I've gone to Cardiff because that's my best chance of getting promoted. And I think we get promoted the season after and obviously we knock Cardiff out. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. Don't ever, you know, diss Thorny for going there. You know, I think he just, I think he just come to his end of his time at Stoke. But yeah, yeah, my, yeah I mean, I you, you obviously he... remember it in a different way, but I remember Cav just uh, quite disrespectful to the club. But I might remember that long, that's a long time ago now. But Yeah, I think, like I say, with Thorny, he joined Cardiff. And even after what had happened with Cav 12 months before, the Stoke fans completely different with Thorny. He went because I think he needed to be sold to balance the books at the time. Yeah. And and he returned with Cardiff that season and scored a hat-trick against us in front of the Boothen end. And he got applauded. And that just shows the fact that the Stoke fans, a guy's come back, he scored a hat-trick against us. He refused to celebrate any of the goals. And you know when people say, like, oh, you should celebrate against your old club. He, that, that's a genuine case of a player who didn't want to, and that was a, you know, that's fine. Some players, yeah, you, you played, you know, you played one season there or whatever, or you, you, then, yeah, why, you, yeah, why not? Or you're junior, I mean, you've been to, you know, nine, ten different clubs. You can't not, you can't hold, you can't imagine that you hold them all in the same esteem. But he obviously genuinely did have a love for Stoke, and he did, and the fans there, and that bond, and he he didn't want to break that. Yet the Stoke fans, you know, they were they were. I've never seen an opposition player score, especially a hat trick, and get applause, and especially in a massive game like that, because they obviously was play two playoff contenders going up against each other towards the end of the season as well. And um, yeah, that just shows to me the measure of the man and what he was. Absolutely, mate. Good, good, uh, good times. Um, and I mean, I think one of the things that you mentioned about the fans, mate, and I think he, obviously the Facebook group that we're uh, we're very much in, we have a lot of kind of communication with. It's uh, Stoke fans uh, from around the world, isn't it? That uh, we have a, a lot of mention in. So again, anyone who wants to uh, check it out, then have a look. There's about nine thousand Stoke fans in there, um, and uh, everyone kind of dropped us a quick. Well, not everyone, but there's a lot of people who dropped us a lot of notes, wasn't there, Dan? Um, in the week. Yeah, there was. So we were sort of, yeah, yeah, you put a message on in you, Michael, just asking yeah. for some stories and, you know, just people like, you know, how did you come to support Stoke? You know, if you are literally all around the world, are you um, Stokies that have emigrated out or are you people who, you uh, Stoke fans who've never, never been to Stoke or never lived in the area? And we got some interesting replies. I mean, I, I can't go through all of them. We're, we'd be here all day. There's some really great stories. But I mean, we've got like uh, Nigel Heath. He moved from, he was um, Shrewsbury born and bred. And he moved out, out to Ontario, Canada. But he's been a lifelong Stoke fan. Uh, his dad was from Longton. His dad got him in. His dad was a Stoke fan, got him into Stoke. Um, obviously, even though he was living in Shrewsbury, he's gone all the way to Ontario, Canada and still follows the team, you know, week in, week out from over there. Um, there was John Dix. He was born and bred in Stoke. Um, but then the army posted him out to Germany over 40 years ago, 1978, and he stayed there ever since in Germany, but wow. still you know, maintained his ties with Stoke, is still a massive Stoke fan. Um, and then you've got the other sort of like, a guy named Long Fu Hao. He's a Malaysian. 
Um, and he says, been supporting Stoke since he watched the 1972 final. He fell in love with us that day and he's been a, a Stoke fan ever since. In fact, he said, yeah, I'll go to practice my Malaysian here. I don't know what he said. I don't particularly know. Uh, I think what he said, yeah, Stoke City Buller. Oh. So, so if he's listening, uh, yeah, he'll, he may get yeah. in touch with us and, uh, oh. Feel free, uh, feel free to rib Dan on his absolutely shocking uh, pronunciations of the word. Mate, you still did better than me. So really, really good credit to you to do uh, for doing that on a pod because I, I wouldn't even dare to dream of trying that. Um, so on, you're right though, mate. Didn't we? Have, we had something stupid. It was twenty or thirty people, I think, most have given some stories. And, and like you said, mate, there were some amazing stories. And you're right. I, I asked the question because we. we uh, we get obviously a lot of different fans who, who listen in and you know i've, I've seen that you now this week you know new, new zealand popped up on there we've got thailand and israel and various australia various different kind of countries that kind of get involved and it's it, i think it's fascinating how little old stoke city have got such a breadth of of support um it's it, it's amazing to see mate which is why i think you know we'll, we'll probably bring up a couple more of these stories in the coming weeks you know we want to make sure that everyone gets some uh, some airtime. you know we appreciate all the comments so um yeah just wanted to, to highlight those yeah so obviously some really interesting um stories dan i mean we the, you know the whole kind of reason we wanted to to kind of reach out to people and we had you know again we had like 20 or 30 different kind of comments from people and like i say the reason i wanted to reach out is because we've seen on the kind of stats report that we get about listeners and you know there's people from thailand and israel and new zealand and australia and various different locations and i think it always amazes me how kind of far and wide our support base is um little old stoke city have literally got probably hundreds of thousands of supporters in various different nooks and crannies around the world so uh yeah we'll definitely mention uh more of these stories um in the coming weeks there's far far too many to put into one pod but thank you to to everybody who has obviously got in touch with us on that one uh really is appreciated um, so in terms of the uh, the kind of transfer roundup, I mean, obviously uh, the window, while untruly uh, slammed shut, it felt like it wasn't open five minutes, but obviously, it, of course it was. Um, and I mean, Dan, we'll kind of give a bit of a, an overview, but what I wanted to do, May, um, I wanted to try and get your your overall thoughts on whether you thought this was a, a good or, or bad window, but I'm going to make it a bit more interesting. So we're just going to do kind of one word kind of answer. Um, so good or bad. So starting with the outs, tell me whether this is a good decision or a bad decision. And uh, yeah, again, people can feel free to get in touch. So uh, Ryan Woods. Good. Bruno Martins Indy. Good. Badu and Dai. Good. Benicophobi. Good. Peter Etebo. Good. John Obi McCall. Good. Uh, Kevin Vemmer, that's an obvious one. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll tell you what, I'm going to skip the obvious ones because oh, that's, that's, that's pretty much everybody, actually. I uh, know. Okay, Nathan Collins. Uh, ooh. Mm. <laughs> I think disappointed that we've sold him. Would have liked to see him progress here. However, he may have been sold for the greater good, if you yes. get me. Totally. If, I think without yeah. that sale, I mean, would we have signed, you know, Surridge and Ben Wilmot? Um, yeah, and I, I, he has probably, I mean, let's face it, we've, there's probably been a bit of money. We probably had to pay a bit of money to get rid of a lot of these players. And that's probably financed quite a few of these going out the door as well. 
I mean, what about Tom Ince? I'll be honest. We discussed Tom Ince before, about, well, on last pod, but um, I'm shocked he's still here. I really am. Did nobody want him? Yeah, I mean, you'd have thought, I mean, because he's, he's, he's got pedigree at championship level. And uh, you'd have thought there'd have been somebody with aspirations of sort of pushing on in the league who may have thought, well, he's worth taking a chance on. I can't believe that his stock has gone that low, really. I mean, he went to Luton and, I mean, he was once he making decent impression there before he picked up an injury. Yeah, um, I think overall they were yeah. relatively happy. I wouldn't say he was, I don't think he was, you know, doing anything particularly amazing, um, but I think he was doing okay. Yeah, so you'd have thought, like I say, he, he maybe thought he'd have done enough. Yeah, and then the fact he did, you know, he scored the other day may have just pricked some, you know, pricked somebody's ears up to think, oh, yeah, actually, you know, like I say, just them um, thinking those teams in the middle of the league, you know, we're looking to just a bit of star player. Because if you get him, if you can get him switched on and, and playing to his full potential, he, there's probably no doubt there's a very good championship player still in there. He's still, he's still in his twenties, I believe. Easily. I mean, you know, obviously, I know we don't obviously know the inner, inner workings of what goes on. You know what? I mean, I, I might be doing a bit of a disservice here, but maybe um, he's on really good money. I'm sure he's not on bad money at all. Um, so maybe he's on really good money, and he's like, well, Luke, no one else is willing to pay me this money, so I'm going to hang around. And O'Neill's like, well, you're kind of out, but we also need maybe a bit of cover down that kind of right-hand side if, you know, if, uh, obviously things hit the fans. So, um Maybe it's it it could be that, uh, but yeah, maybe nobody wanted him. Uh, maybe he wanted to stay and prove himself. You just don't know, do we? But I, I'm just completely shocked that he's still here, personally, mate. But uh, oh well, never mind. We'll we'll see how things pan out. I don't be surprised if he uh, goes somewhere in January if if he's not starting or at least not featuring in the team. Um, I'm going to finish off the ins this time uh, for uh, for yourself, Dan. So uh, I'm pretty sure I know what the answers are going to be to all of these. Um, but uh, either way, uh, so good or bad for Ben Wilmot? Good. Mario Vancic? Good. Jack Bonham? Uh, good. Uh, Sam Surridge? Good. Theo Ostergaard. Good. Remain Sayers. <laughs> oh, sorry, Sayers. I believe it will be good. It's a bit one of them, eh. So far, we'll see how it goes. Um, Dehaney. Uh, if, if Tommy Smith gets injured, he might be very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You wouldn't have signed him if you could have maybe a choice, but the fact we've got no cover, I suppose it's a good decision to get him because at least we've got cover. But yeah, um, yeah, we know how I feel about that one from last week. Um, and then our final chap is Seema. Good. Yes, good. <laughs> Very good. Brilliant. Um, and I think we've actually uh, got some audio uh, on Seema, I believe, Dan? Yeah, we have. So um, a lot of Stoke fans probably know uh, from the Stoke Twitter um, community will probably know Johnny Davis. He's actually a coach at Slavia Prague, so you know he's at the same club that we've that um, Seam has been at, uh, up to obviously signing for Brighton on deadline day, and then obviously joining us on loan from there as part of that deal. Um, so he's supplied us with this audio, which basically just gives us a bit of a lowdown as to what we can expect. So Abdallah Sima, he's a young, young striker uh, with plenty, plenty of potential. 
we bought him from a club called Mas Taborsko and they were in the second division at the time and and they played against our B team uh Slavia B team and he had a very good game I think he scored a couple of goals and so he was on our radar from that point really we had a bit of um a bit of an injury crisis so we bought him in initially for the B team uh we weren't really very convinced by his defensive capabilities uh, when we didn't have the ball, he wasn't very organised and, and he didn't really offer a lot defensively um, in the Slavia system. Our pressing is, is obviously really important and uh, it was felt that he, he couldn't really offer offer that much in, in terms of you know the high press and, and in terms of his, his intelligence when we didn't have the ball. Um, but we, we signed him. Um, and then we had a, I think a COVID crisis happened in the first team. Uh, this was at the beginning of last season, and so he he got his opportunity in the A team. Um, he played played a couple of league matches, and then I think his debut was against Nice in the Europa League in the group stage, and he scored. And then from then, I think he he scored around sixteen goals in eighteen games. Um, and that really propelled propelled him, um, you know, kind of propelled him into the limelight of not just Czech football but world football. Um, and that's when you know when we played against Leicester, he scored a great goal. Uh, he played really well against Rangers as well. And so in that cup run, it kind of put him in the shop window. There was talk of of him going to Arsenal, I think, for around fifty million pounds. Um, and he was kind of talked about as the next Thierry Henry, if you like, um, which is mad, really, considering it was only his second season in, in professional football uh, last season, or I think maybe maybe this season, I'm not sure. But, yeah, it's it's been quite a meteoric rise, really. Um, and then over the summer, he, he kind of got a few, few injury problems, uh, came back a little bit unfit, and yeah, his form form hasn't been great at the start of this season, so his value has has dropped significantly. Um, but you know, we're still quite happy with the the fee that we've got for him. You know, considering that he's only only in his second or third season in professional football. So um, yeah, plenty of potential. Um, plays on the right side, usually of a of a front three. Um, very good in the air, so any any ball from the left wing, any set pieces, um, you know he scores scores a fair few uh, headers. He's quite tall. I think he's about 188, so around six foot two. Um, very very athletic. Big jump, big jump on him. Very difficult to beat aerially. Um, strong, can hold the ball up. Bit of a wide target man in that respect. Um, and obviously knows knows where the goal is. Majority of his goals are scored inside the the penalty box around the six yard box. Um, he's a bit of a natural poacher, if you like. Always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, but he's also capable of scoring from the outside of the box, as you as you've probably seen uh, with his goal against Leicester 
and he scored scored a great goal against Opava, I think, a Czech team last season in the league, from the edge of the box as well, a real thunderbolt from the edge edge of the box. So, I think the exciting thing for Stoke fans is that he's capable of scoring goals um, all over the pitch. You know, in different situations, he's great inside the box, good header of the ball, and uh, as I said, you know, can hit can hit the ball from from long range. Um, very fast, very strong, uh, able to get in behind defenses as well. Uh, very composed finisher. Uh, he's got it all really. The one thing is that he's he can be quite inconsistent. Um, you know, he he can he tends to drift in and out of games. Uh, he's not always uh, always on it. Defensively, still a little bit suspect sometimes. His pressing. Uh, his intelligence in the press and and when defending, um, but yeah, bags of potential. Uh, still very young, and the exciting thing is that he can he can get much better. Um, hopefully, he does that at Stoke. Um, hopefully, that we you know we we can help him develop uh, in in this young side that My- Michael O'Neill's kind of built. Um, the exciting thing for me is that I think that he'll be a real threat from set pieces. Obviously, uh, Mario Vrancic has uh, got a great delivery. Um, Tommy Smith as well, and I think that the delivery from set pieces will be a real weapon with with Sima in and around the penalty box. But for me, it will be quite interesting to see how he develops in England. English football is obviously much different to Czech football. Uh, the Slavia team that he played in. We're very dominant. We tended to dominate the ball a lot, uh, which obviously suits his style of play. Um, and we created a lot of chances. You know, defending in the Czech leagues not the highest level. Slavia tend to create a lot of high quality chances. Um, and so, you know, for a striker, that's that's obviously going to pad his statistics a little bit. Um, I mean, you know, as a Stoke fan, I wouldn't expect fireworks immediately. It could happen. But I wouldn't expect fireworks immediately. I think that it's going to take him a little bit of time to adjust to the English game, as particularly the championship. Um, the atmosphere will be a lot different, a lot more hostility, and obviously a little bit of pressure on him now that that he's worth was it eight million, eight million euros, eight million pounds that he's gone for. So, yeah, the the people will be watching him. There'll be a little bit of pressure on him, and he's a young lad. Um, you know very inexperienced, bit of a rookie, so wouldn't expect immediate impact. Um, although with the characteristics that he has, potentially, you know, he, he could could make that impact. But I would be I would be edging towards giving him a couple of weeks to to kind of get set and to to get integrated into the system and integrated into the championship. I think that it'll be quite interesting for. Michael O'Neill um, on Saturday in terms of his selection. I don't think he'll start the game. He's obviously been away with Senegal all week for international duty. Um, and as I said, you know, he's been carrying a few knocks for Slavia uh, since the start of the season, only just really got back to, to fitness. So, yeah, I would, wouldn't expect him to, to start the game on Saturday. I think he'll come off the bench and, uh, yeah, let's see, let's see how he does. I'm really excited for him. His personality is very, very motivated individual, very polite young man. Um, got glowing character references from my colleagues over here. So definitely deserves his shot and, and hopefully 
as I said, he'll help Firestoke up the league and and get get us promoted. Um, you know, working for Slavia and and being a Stoke fan um, for me, it's obviously a really interesting period of time. Uh, to you know, an, an interesting situation to watch him develop. I never thought I'd ever see him at Stoke. Um, so it's a pleasant surprise, and I uh, just hope that he he does really well. Um, and the 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 the, uh, the deal is positive for for all parties, everyone involved. And you know, should we get promoted, you you never know really. Um, could be something that Brighton regret potentially that they've let him go. Um, and if it makes the difference between us going up and and maybe Brighton being in a bit of bit of trouble at the the bottom end of the Premier League, then. Then you never know what can happen. So I would love love to see him stay long term at Stoke, but that's a, that's obviously a conversation for for far in the future. But uh, yeah, let's see how he does on Saturday. I'm certainly excited to see him. So thanks, Johnny, for that. That's, that's you know really insightful. And um, yeah, what do you think about that then, Mike? I'm really looking forward to seeing him, to be honest, mate. And we obviously discussed our attacking options, um, which are plentiful at the minute. And um, I'm very intrigued to see how how he does. I mean, he's he's, he's quite obviously new to certainly certainly new to the championship, and he's relatively new to English football. So um, I'm really really interested to see how it goes. Um, and we've got a poll later on, uh, well shortly actually, uh, around kind of who we think should be uh, our main kind of two strikers. But yeah, really looking forward to that, mate. I think it's going to be a very interesting signing. Um, and I think. Actually, while we're listening to the audio, I was having a quick uh, look through Twitter and I saw some inf- inf- actually quite information, uh, some quite interesting information rather. Um, and uh, we've spent in total 4.1 million uh, from our incomings, um, and that's 4.1 million of the 12.6 million that we've had um, come in. And I think one of the interesting stats it mentions is about the average age is now 25. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting because O'Neill made a point of that in pre-season about trying to get that 25 to 28 kind of age kind of range uh, within obviously uh, the, the club and um, no doubt in the whole process of getting rid, you know, FFP um, has improved um, somewhat as well. So probably all all due credit to um, our recruitment team and, uh, you know, Harvey SCFC, who has uh, given us some audio previously, has sent in um, his thoughts on the transfer window uh, so far this season. Hey up guys, I'm SF here and hello to all every step along the way listeners. I've been asked to come on and just talk a little bit about how our transfer window went and I have to say, 10 out of 10 window, it would have been nice to get a player like Siriki Dembele or Liam Delap, but the alternatives we found for those two players, Abdallah Sima, who's come in, I think he's too good for the championship and I think he can score 20 plus goals no problem at all. You know, we brought in some other quality players, Ben Wilmot, Leo Ostergaard, Sam Surridge, to name a few. It was a shame we had to sacrifice um, Nathan Collins, but I think that had to be done uh, with with the FFP problems we had. It was going to be a case of sacrifice one of Collins, Sutari or Campbell. And if I had to choose, it would have been Collins to be sacrificed. I think Sutar is the better player at the moment. Campbell, players like him are gold dust at this level. And I think it would have been very silly to sell him. Um... Whereas I think Nathan Collins got the highest ceiling. I maybe would have liked to have got some of the big boys in a bit of a bidding war for him. You know, United um, and Chelsea, a couple of teams that were interested. It would have been nice for them to get in a bidding war. But 
ultimately, I can't complain with the twelve million that we got for him. You know, with that money, we bought in some quality players. Ben Wilmot, as previously mentioned, Surridge um, came in for a fee too. It was nice to see some of the youngsters get loaned away as well uh, to get them a little bit more experience because I don't think, you know, you look at the likes of Christian Norton, um, players like uh, Will Goodwin as well, I don't think they would have got too much of a chance this season. Uh, obviously, with the fantastic depth we've got up front now, it's a bit sad to see um, Will Forrester get loaned out to League 2 or maybe would have liked him to go to to League 1 but I suppose he's just come back from an injury and think maybe a move uh, for say 4 months in League what League 2 may be good for him but all in all no complaints from me and uh, happy very very happy with our transfer business so uh, yeah thanks for letting me come on come on Stoke Cheers Harvey always good to hear from you mate thank you very much yeah some, some very good points and I think he echoes um, a lot of what we had to say there to be honest with you Dan so yeah thank you again uh, Harvey, um, Dan, I mean, have, we've just kind of run through the, the good or bad. Uh, we heard, heard obviously what Harvey's had to say. Um, overall, do you kind of think we've missed any tricks in the transfer window or do you think it could have been pretty much as good as it has been? Really? Uh, to be honest, I don't think we could have had a better window. Maybe, maybe another right wing back or right sided defender. Um, you know, but then we have got De Haney and we're just going to have to sort of, you know, see if he is up to the task if he, when he's needed. Um, he is young. He has proved, obviously, he has got a decent pedigree coming from Man City. So we don't, we don't know. Maybe maybe um, Michael O'Neill can unlock something in him the same as he has done with Josh Timing. We don't know. Um, Hopefully so. Let's yeah, not him off anyway. I think I've been quite harsh on him, to be honest, in the last few weeks. But um, I must admit, I'm I'm first one to say don't you know don't judge a player before he's pulled on a shirt, and here's me doing it for the last two weeks. So but yeah, I should probably reminisce. You know, he would he will get your support though, into Mark when he has that red and white shirt on. That's the oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, mate. Yeah, um, but yeah, the in, the incomings, the outgoings, the the fact of how the group seem to be so like sort of close knit now, and they seem to be you know working for each other and. And they're all playing for each other, and and there's no sort of doesn't seem to be any sort of egos strutting around the place, or none, none that are detrimental to the team anyway. He yeah, seems, he's, he's sorted all that out. I, I don't think I think if we look back in May, there's we wouldn't have even dreamed that we would be where we are now, recruitment wise, from the summer. So yeah, fantastic work, congratulations, and well done to everybody who's been involved in that. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, and obviously, we'll, we'll try and uh, finish up the transfer bit. So just one last bit that came in, I think, only two days ago, actually. So um, Delap has again reared its head about Delap in January. I'll give you my opinion and I'll see what you think, mate. But for me, Delap isn't needed. But the question is, if Delap from, from Man City is available in January, do you take him anyway and just accept we're going to be a bit overloaded? I think it depends where we're at in January, doesn't it? I think if we've got forwards who are all playing well and firing, scoring goals, creating goals, working well together, and they're all fit, then you're going to struggle to keep everybody happy by adding another, obviously, very talented individual into that group. If we've got a couple who... Or injury, you know, what if somebody's picked up a long-term injury, they're out for the season, 
highly possible between now and then. Or if we've got a couple who aren't firing, could have had a fallout with someone, then if he's going to come in to sort of replace somebody out of the current group, then I'm all for it. And the th- it's an awkward one, isn't it? Because he's obviously a very gifted footballer and he's obviously going to do very well. And it's that case of even looking into the future, there could possibly be another loan the year after, couldn't there be before Manchester City decide he's ready for them? He, he, it's a six-month loan may turn into an eighteen-month loan, yeah. and we, are we giving him? Are we going to end up giving him to somebody else? <laughs> well, to be fair, mate, it might not even be our decision. I mean, if the, Man City could look at our team and go, "Look, you've got three strikers there; they're all firing." Uh, you know, you've got good backup. I'm sorry, but you're not going to play him enough, so uh, we're going to send him elsewhere. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I mean, and they'd be well within the rights to if we've if we've got strikers on form. So yeah, I mean, he he could stay. He could sit on the bench for Manchester City every week this year. If he's going to go out on loan, he'll need to play, and yeah. they will want some sort of you know. Not I'm not saying they will want clauses and contracts or anything like that, but they will want some sort of guarantee along game time. Yeah, yeah, they they will, mate. And I think when we're talking about our kind of strike force and um, kind of combinations, obviously the combinations are quite big but we, we did put another poll out and in the week about you know when everybody's fit who would be your kind of starting duo and i, I must admit apologies to to fletch um i discounted him from the combinations um Shocking. so yeah sorry about that <laughs> uh but anyway we went for um surridge and seema together campbell and seema surridge and campbell or other um, there was 2% of people said other, but didn't really give any other alternative, which is helpful. Um, and then we had uh, Surridge and Campbell uh, was the main kind of uh, vote. So that was Surridge and Campbell at 48%. So uh, quite considerable. Uh, Campbell and Seema just slightly behind at 43%. And then Surridge and Seema uh, was 8%. Um, so interesting stats. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly, mate. Tyrese plus one, and I think him and Sorridge could do quite well together. I think the majority of people are spot on there. I think we'd we'd at least love to see that for a ten, fifteen games. Give them a real chance together, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah, I mean the thing as well. Obviously, Tyrese last season. I mean, not we've said this and we you know in previous podcasts we don't want to be putting any pressure on him. When he first comes, you know, he's first returning back and, you know, giving time to get his fitness back, get his form back, get his confidence back. But when he, if he, you know, gets to the levels that he was at last season before that injury, he wasn't just in putting the ball in the net that was, that was catching everyone's eye. It was the amount of assists and chances he was creating for other players. Yeah. And Sam Surridge, I mean, we had, you know, we had the chap on, didn't we, Ben, from, from the uh, Bournemouth podcast? Who said he was, you know, he's looking on looking to get in behind the defense and play on the last shoulder, and we've seen that ourselves. If, yeah, we put, so if he's look. gonna yeah, if he's gonna put the ball in the right area for him, then that could be a prolific partnership. And I think he's just a bit more mobile than Fletch, isn't he? I mean, and that's not no disrespect to Fletch, he can he can get about you know as, as well as most of the players, but for me, 
the legs will be probably there more in, in a young uh, uh, Surridge than, than they would elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, mate, it's a very, again, as we've said in previous weeks, it's a very nice problem to have. Um, so we'll see uh, when everyone's fit exactly what happens from there. Um, and I shall actually just do a bit of a, a rewind, by the way. So we'd actually, we had, a, I did actually ask people in terms of, you know, the, the transfers in and out. So I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack a bit, Dan. So, um, in terms of what we basically asked everyone who who they thought was the uh, the most impressive signing or the signing of the window, if you like. Um, now again, with eight players, we can only select four options, unfortunately. But uh, we went for Wilmot, Surridge, uh, Rancic, and Ostergaard. Um, and it was actually very close. I mean, Ostergaard was last with ten percent, uh, which might be a bit harsh, but well, that's fair enough. Um, and then we. We had Wilmot and Surridge both on 24% and then Vrancic on uh, 41%. So obviously I know we've only seen bits of Mario, but quite clearly everyone was just as impressed as us uh, with his uh, delivery set pieces and see the long-term value of them. So um, yeah, a bit disjointed, but I thought I'd definitely want to mention that because it's just uh, what you said just reminded me. But yeah, again, in- interesting stats there, Dan. Um, I think everyone overall is really really happy with our strike force and obviously the, the transfers in and out so um uh, a great it's a great place to be and i suppose we would be uh, a bit unfair if we didn't actually very briefly mention the youth players so it's not just been senior players that have obviously come and gone uh, we've had a lot of youth uh, youth loan going out now so we've got blondie will forrester connor taylor eddie jones christian norton will goodwin they've all joined teams in the third and fourth tiers of the english football um and i think it's ethan varian i think it is has made a temporary switch to the scottish second division so we discussed this that week last week didn't we dan really that's a lot of lone players and we were trying to say it's a fine line between sending everybody out of any quality from your under 23s on loan um or of course you know, keeping them in the club. So um, any particular observations about anyone from that particular list? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've got three strikers that are out on loan. So we've got Christian Norton, Will Goodwin and Ethan Varian. I mean, Ethan Varian scored um, again in midweek. He scored for Wraith um, a couple of days ago. So it's, uh, yeah, we've got three strikers out. So that'd be interesting to see, you know, what's left there in the under-23s. Could there possibly be a space there? Have they, have they, you know, got a space ready there for a certain Emre Tezcal to step up into the under-23s shortly? Um, he's getting mm. a lot of traction at the minute and a lot of uh, buzz around the na- around his name and he, you know, he's obviously doing very well at the levels he's playing at. Maybe, I'd say, maybe that those, going out, those three going out on loan is going to uh, just create a gap for him to come into the squad. Um, Will Forrester, Connor Taylor, they both, you know, both made the first team debuts in the last season. And I know Eddie Jones is quite rated in the uh, the academy setup as well. But I've never, I've never really known so many, so many youth players from Stoke to be out in, unlike in league clubs. Yeah. Like usually we get into like non-league, they're like Kidderminster and obviously that Stafford Rangers, that kind of level. League Town. These are all going out to like say League One, League Two clubs. And that's a very different standard to what we're usually sending our youngsters out to. And that just shows the talent that we've got in this group of players now coming through. You know what? It does, Dan. But does it also show where we've been weak in the past? I mean, Alex Aldridge has obviously come in 
Um, so obviously the, the team is he must have clearly had an impact. I mean, we've looked, seen what he's helped with on the first team, but from the interview that I think our our youth uh, manager I can't remember exactly who it was actually, but um, I think there was an interview in the week uh, about how important um, Alex has been in getting the loan players out, and maybe it's just his connections that have meant we could actually send them out and sell them better to a more um, let's just let's say let's say a better quality of, of club, I guess. Um, so, do you think he's probably had a, a key part to play in that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, it looks like the man's obviously got a lot of contacts within the game, uh, right, you know, throughout the leagues, and yeah, that, that's gonna it's gonna pay dividends into it. And obviously, I think yeah. as well, maybe when he's contacting clubs to see if you know if they want to take you know any of these youngsters that we have got out. Maybe him being on the other end of you know the phone or an email or what you know however they contacted them is bearing more weight than than the previous you know people who've been doing the job um because it's him maybe he's got more trust or you know like I say maybe he's just just a better negotiator and yeah and sell, sells them better basically <laughs> it's 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 hard to think he hasn't had an impact it's it's been too much of a radical change in our transfer fortunes this this season already and we've only, he's only had one window so um yeah absolutely mate and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the youth players go and i think one thing that we've kind of said we wanted to do as part of this podcast dan was have kind of regular catch-ups uh on our youth players because i think that's one thing that maybe is missing from elsewhere so um i mean this week uh we've obviously had uh obviously connor taylor was one of the, the people mentioned um and you know as, as i said we like to give regular updates so um we've been uh ha- catching up with our friends from Gascast. uh so uh, obviously connor taylor ha- is out with bristol rovers right now um, and obviously got a man of the match award in the uh, the last match as well, so we started quite well. Uh, let's see uh, what the uh, gas cast had to say on uh, Connor Taylor's start. Hi guys, uh, Tom Metcalf from the Gas Cast podcast. Uh, just giving you a quick update on Connor Taylor. Um, obviously, he's had a bit of a disjointed start to the season. Uh, came in. Immediately contracted COVID, um, so his preseason, along with yeah, quite a few of our squad, had quite a yeah disjointed preseason. Uh, he got his first start against Cheltenham in the Carabao Cup. He played as a traditional centre back in a back four that night. We lost two nil, um, but I was actually quite impressed with him that night. Anyway, um, obviously he's got the attributes you'd expect from someone with his height. It's very very good in the air. Um, but at 19, obviously, got a bit of a mistake in him now and again. Uh, I think where Cheltenham did us that night was um, speed of movement um, and kind of, yeah, quick interchange of the passes in behind, boom, 1-0. And then for the second, they caught us on the break, so I'm not even going to even gonna worry about that. Um, he was kind of out of the, out of the team for a bit then, um, but then came back in against Crawley on the right of a back three. Um, and he was, in Joey Barton's word, a colossus, and I can completely see why he got man of the match that game. Um, absolutely dominated in the air. Um, for a 19-year-old lad, it was it was very impressive, very much uh, head it and kick it kind of centre back, which is absolutely fine by me. And at League Two level, is uh, exactly what you need. Um, but. The only downside to the Crawley performance is uh, right near the end, um, he did get caught under the ball. It was what it was like a long ball over the top, and he, he thought he had it. He thought he had it. 
jumped and it just just went over him. Um, their striker thankfully fluffed his lines, so it, it wasn't um, catastrophic. But yeah, he's got a bit to kind of come on. Obviously, he's 19, he's still learning and still developing physically. But, you know, it's very exciting to watch him. We had um, Clark Salter on loan uh, from Chelsea a few years back. And I, I'd have Connor Taylor over him every single time. And so that's the, the kind of benchmark I'm looking at it from. But, um, yeah, hopefully for you guys, you've got a future Robert Huth in the uh, in the academy. So um future's bright for him, I think. Cheers, lads. Bye. Thanks to Tom there from Gascast. Um, very promising. Looks like he's had, you know, he's overcome some tricky uh, start to his time there, and then he's come through that and got himself into the team. You know, he's he's had to fight for a place there even so early doors, uh, which bodes really you know, bodes really well for his character as well as his as his um, performances on the field. And uh, yeah, but he looks to be making quite an impression there. I mean, I, I saw Joey Barton called him a colossus <laughs> after that last match. The new Robert um, Hooth. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's, um, yeah, he says he, that, that's uh, exactly what uh, Tom said as well, didn't he? He said it uh, could be a, a new Robert Hooth on the horizon for a Stokies. So I think we'll, we'll all take another Robert Hooth, won't we? <laughs> oh, of course we will. Blinking out, yeah. So, yeah, good luck to obviously Connor. If, if there's anyone else that anybody wants us to try and catch up with in terms of, uh, anyone in particular, then obviously let us know. But uh, we will actively go out and try and find, um, just trying to find out how these youth players are getting on. So uh, that covers everything from the transfer ins and outs uh, perspective um, as well. So let's uh, take a look um, to Huddersfield, Dan. Yes, so um, obviously we've got Huddersfield. They are currently fourth in the division. We are fifth. Um, so both flying high, both had good starts to the season. The head-to-head record in our last seven fixtures versus Huddersfield we uh, we you know we're very much on top in these recent meetings. We won four of the last seven games between the teams, losing just one. Managed to score fifteen goals and conceded eight. So twenty-three goals in seven games. That's you know over three goals a game on average. So you know there've been some entertaining fixtures between these two sides recently, which bodes well for Saturday. Uh, the last time we were beaten uh, by Huddersfield was October the first, twenty nineteen under Nathan Jones. Uh, they beat us 1-0 that season. Uh, and yeah, what a shock. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, there is that. In the, but yes, there's only two players from that matchday squad that are likely to face them this week, which is Sam Klukas and Joe Allen, um, which seems to be a regular regular stat that we bring up with these on these pods, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it does, mate. It was the same the other week, I think. I can't remember who yeah. it was, but uh, it was exactly the same situation. Um, it's amazing though. I mean, Tyrese was actually on the bench. He couldn't even get on the pitch that day. Um, so, and he yeah, wonders why Nathan he got Jones. the sack. <laughs> oh no, mate! It's just yeah, he just he's just asking for it. I mean, when I look, I can't remember the the players, but I remember looking back at that team and just being completely utterly baffled. Um, but yeah, hindsight's a, I suppose a great thing. At the time, you just trust the manager knows what he's doing, and quite clearly, he didn't know what he was doing. But. Never mind. Yeah, I think I think it was the concerns over Tyrese's fitness, weren't there at that point? And that's why yeah. that, that was the line that the Nathan Jones was was putting out as why well. he wasn't playing. Uh, but yeah, just to say as well, Huddersfield, like I said, I mentioned that they'd had a really decent start to the season. Um they've they've already beaten Sheffield United 2 1 at Bramall Lane. 
uh, which is a great result, you know, for anybody uh, who can go to Bramall Lane and win this season. And their last match, they did beat Reading 4 0. So, you know, they're not to be underestimated. Um, yes, we've, we've, yeah, we've got a tough game on Saturday. Um, you know, I, even though we might think that we, uh, on paper, it might be a bit easier than it actually could be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think so as well, mate. And we've actually got some audio from a, a Huddersfield um, kind of podcast. Uh, he takes the chance. Um, and uh, I mean, basically, we'll, we'll come to that shortly, but just some really interesting points. But I think I'm with you, Matt. I think Huddersfield, obviously, you know, they've had a, a strong start to the season. I mean, the wins you mentioned, Dan, are nothing to sniff at. I think you've just kind of mentioned that, mate, to be honest. And they'll be kind of coming into this probably quite high on confidence, in fairness, mate. I mean, they have you know, four wins against Reading. I mean, Reading aren't great this season, let's be honest. But still, any team who scores four goals is going to be full of confidence. And I know we lost to Fulham, but you know, we'll still be coming into this a bit with a, a bit of confidence as well. I, I don't doubt for a second that they're going to probably come here and just try and attack us, which I hope they do, because I think if they do, we'll be able to rip them apart. But um, I think personally... It's going to be an interesting game. It's, I didn't actually think about them stats too much, but it's over well three over over three a game. Um, so yeah, it certainly won't be a uh, well, actually it's going to be a nil nil. Now I've said this, isn't it? I was about to say <laughs> it won't be a nil nil. It's going to be a nil nil. Um, to be honest, I, I wouldn't like to see Twitter if it's a nil nil. I, I, even I, I think we've said previously in the weeks, and we're not going to go over all ground, but these are the teams we need to beat if we want to be in the top six. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll certainly see um, how it goes anyway, mate. Um, and um, probably one other thing to, to kind of mention while we're talking about, you know, predictions for the weekend. Uh, a certain uh, Graham McGarry, who, if you've ever listened to uh, BBC Radio Stoke, obviously a former presenter on there. Um, so Graham, as uh, as a friend of the show, and uh, he's actually shared his prediction uh, this week on uh, how he basically thinks things will go. So uh, thank you to Graham, and let's have a quick look at what he had to say. I'm Graham McGarry, the former sports editor at BBC Radio Stoke. For over the last 30-odd years, we've been following all our local teams. But the main focus today on this prediction, of course, on your podcast, comes in the Championship, where Stoke City returned to action against Huddersfield Town. It usually looks to be a banker-home win, but Huddersfield has started the season well, unlike the last couple of seasons when it's been a struggle. But Stoke are also going well. They'll be looking to get their home record continuing in winning ways. And I'm going to go for more firepower from Stoke to win the game. It'll be close, but I'm going to Stoke City 2, Huddersfield Town 1. Right, cheers, Graham. Thank you very much, mate. Always good to hear from you. Uh, really appreciate you taking some time uh, and uh, seeing how things go. I think I'll probably echo a lot of what you've said, to be honest. Yeah, and like you, I think you said a couple of minutes ago, Mike, uh, we've got some audio from the Huddersfield podcast, and he takes that chance. Um, and th- yeah, this is what they've had to say about the game as well. Hi guys, uh, this is Matt and I'm the host of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast which covers all things Huddersfield Town. Uh, The season so far has given Huddersfield fans a little bit of sunshine in what has been a really bleak 2021. Uh, Having only won three games in the first 228 days of this calendar year, we've recently won three league games in 11 days and that's the first time we've won three on the spin since February 2017. So there's cautious optimism up here in West Yorkshire that we may be starting our ascent back up that mountain we were unceremoniously thrown from by our Premier League experience. Uh, Caution, though, has been expressed in in many quarters. Uh, In this mini-run, we beat bottom-of-the-table Preston without having a shot on target in a horrendous game. 
Uh, we defended well at Sheffield United, but really burgled the three points in injury time, but did impressively put Red into the sword 4-0. Uh, in truth, draws from the Preston and Sheffield United game would have probably been fair results, and and if that had been the case, we'd be sat now in 17th rather than the lofty heights of 4th, which we're in at the moment. Uh, but that's championship football, and we certainly had horrendous luck last season, so maybe we deserve some to go our way this. Uh, the run has seen the emergence of a new system as well, which Carlos Corbrand switched to more out of necessity, really, to stop uh, being constantly overloaded down our left flank at Bramall Lane. And he's almost stumbled upon this 3-4-3 shape, which really gets the best out of our better attacking players, and it helps to protect the defence as well when switching to a 3-6-1 out of possession. Uh, Town do attempt to play a good passing game. It's easy on the eye. Uh, and have now learnt a bit more patience and resilience after spending most of last season playing as if it was on a basketball court rather than a football pitch. And now we counter-attack quite effectively through uh, the on-ball running of Sorba Thomas, Josh Caroma and Lewis O'Brien as well. So things are starting to look a little bit better for us. Uh, Sorba Thomas has been the standout, really. Uh, he's breaking all sorts of stats records for key passes and assists, and we're constantly getting bombarded almost by other you know, Twitter fan sites with, uh, you know, how many assists and expected passes and all, and all sorts of stuff that we're getting. And it's it's really great to see. His delivery really is next level and he's been the main source of pretty much all of our chance creation. Um, after a COVID outbreak in, in pre-season, we're now seeing the likes of Josh Caroma and Harry Toffolo, uh, who are good players at this level, show a bit more of their old spark as well. So he's not, Asaba Thomas isn't all on his own as the... Uh, the main outlet for us. Uh, in terms of weaknesses, whereas Sorba Thomas is our main threat at right wing back currently, it would be interesting to see how we cope as a team if Stoke double up on him, or maybe if he goes off the boil or has a poor game. He he does tend to push higher than Toffolo, uh, who was on the other flank, so there can be space to exploit in behind him, and the whole system really depends on a number of factors working to cover for him. Uh, Town may may go back to Oliver Turton at right wing-back uh, and push Sorba Thomas higher. But in truth, Turton has been a bit of a weak, but weaker player for us this season as he's still acclimatising to championship football for the first time. Uh, we're playing two in central midfield at the moment and although both uh, Lewis O'Brien and Jonathan Hogg display great energy, there is the potential to get outmanned if the front three don't start to drop back in and, and help out. Uh, so that would be probably where Stoke look to uh, get on top in that game. Uh, from our point of view as well, Stoke look really handy this season and this is a real test for us to see where we're at and whether the accusations of us being in a false position are true or not. I think this is probably the first season that I've not put the mockers on Stoke as well by tipping them to be in the top six at the start of the season uh, since you were relegated. So when you get promoted through the playoffs, you know who to thank next May. Uh, all the best lads, I'd like to go for a one-all draw. Uh, but I think you'll probably edge this one. But here's to a good game anyway. All the best. Oh, thanks to Matt there from Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Um, great to obviously have opposition fans giving their views. Um, so what, what do you think about what you had to say, Mike? Yeah, I thought quite interesting thoughts, mate. I mean, I think he was very level-headed. I mean, I thought it was quite interesting that they said that they probably got more than they deserved against Sheffield United and, and Preston, uh, obviously where they won. Um, but you know what? One thing he did say was, was quite spot on. I mean, 
this league, anyone can beat anybody. It just takes a little bit of clinical finishing at the right time. And quite clear from the sounds of it, they just took the chances. I mean, I can't say I've seen, uh, he mentions Thomas, I think Thomas, uh, in that particular audio. Um, I can't say I've really heard of him, to be honest, but he's obviously pointing out that that's one to watch for the weekend. So obviously I'll keep an eye on him um during the game um and yeah i think he said it sounds like there might be a a bit light in in the middle of the pitch as well um the the, the way that they play with the two kind of center midfielders um they sometimes go roaming a bit so uh that's an area that we can probably exploit and obviously with our strength in midfield um i think that's uh i think that's well i think set up quite nicely for us to be honest and um i know he, he actually uh covered his back a little bit here i noticed that he gave us a one one draw and then he admitted defeat uh to a defeat uh, at the end of it as well. So, yeah, Matt, appreciate it, mate. Um, I would be very disappointed if we had a 1-1 draw. So, yeah, either way, Matt, thank you for the audio. Uh, very level-headed. Um, it's always nice to see. I must admit, all the audio we've had um, since we started this podcast, Dan, as everyone's been quite... Um, Quite had the head screwed on. Very common, very much common sense, very respectful. So it's nice It's nice to see. Uh, it looks like we've got a lot of respect from uh, fans uh, across the country. We, we were hoping to go a bit under the radar, Stoke, but um, quite clearly that ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, not at all. And I mean, you mentioned the midfield battle there on Saturday being key. Um, so, and with that in mind, I mean, who, who do you actually see starting on Saturday? Who do you think the Potters will be putting out? Um, you know what? I don't think we're, we're really going to change it from, from Fulham. I think the only change I can possibly see, and it's it's weird. I mean, I know, again, it's Wednesday now. So, um, as we're recording this, I've heard nothing on Nick Powell. I mean, that's a weird one. I thought he was going to be back after the international break, and I'm not sure if you've heard anything on him, mate, but I think he's probably the only player I would look to kind of bring back in. Um, otherwise, I think it's got to be exactly the same team. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard nothing either on, on, on Nick Powell and his availability. I mean, I, well, I suppose we're lucky that we've got Mario in there. Um, and obviously, we've also got, you know, Alan, Lucas, Sawyers, so we have got other options, you know, we can we can just keep sort of ticking over while we wait for, for Nick to come back. But I think once he is fit, he should be, you know, straight in that team, shouldn't he? Let's face it. He, he should be. Any, any team in the league should, would want Nick Powell playing for them. They would, mate. And I think the only change that I'd definitely make, and I want to make this a more of a permanent change, especially for now, I think we've got to get Surridge in. I don't want to see Fletcher starting. Um, and again, it's no disrespect to, to Fletcher. He's, he's, he's a good player. Um, but Surridge quite clearly has been signed to score goals. You know, he got uh, another two goals at Old Trafford. Obviously, that behind the, uh, the scenes kind of friendly, which nobody need. Well, no, no, I don't even knew existed until uh, the result had come out. And everyone was wondering how the how the heck have we played Man United and how have we won? Was it 4-3 or 3-2? I think it was. Um, 4-3, yeah. 4-3. So, I think, I don't know, mate, I didn't know anything about that, but um, so it's again, you know, he's getting, he's, he's scored two goals and I think Ince even may have grabbed one, actually, but uh, either way, Sorich scored two goals. So, you've got to put him in. He's going to be fresh. We've had an international break. Let's get him alongside Brown until, you know, maybe we want to mix it up with Seymour and co. Um, that's probably the only change I would make personally, mate, other than obviously Powell. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, you know, the, the goalkeeper, the defence, they're all going to stay the same, aren't they? The wing-backs aren't going to change. Um, and I think, I say, I think, for me, I'm, I'm with you. I think Surridge, it'd be nice for Surridge to come in and play with Brown, you know, Brown to do all the closing down. Surridge is quite mobile as well. He gets involved with that. But then if we, you know, if we can get some 
balls into the box from wide areas. You know, he's already proven that, he, like I say, he knows where the back of the net is and you're getting the areas to, to put the ball away. And that's what we're going to need because, like I say, if it is going to be, if, if, if Huddersfield have shown that they are, they've been, you know, on form and quite lethal in front of goal, so it's so revered, if that is going to be the case, then we're going to have to match that and we can't be wasteful with our chances. Otherwise, like I said, that the game could well you know, get away from us. It could do, mate. And I think, yeah, we just need to play our, our own game, don't we? We need to take the game to Huddersfield. Let's do what we did against, you know, Swansea when we were just putting the pressure on constantly. Uh, play our own game. Don't worry about what Huddersfield are going to do. Yes, they can score goals, but they've not come up. For me, they've not come up against um a, a defence as good as ours, really, other than, obviously, I think an early defeat, I think it was Fulham, where they got absolutely smashed. But I think other than that, you know, they've not really come up against another really solid defence and, and our type of play. So let's see how we go. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just, just the way that we're going to win, mate, personally. And um, I, I must admit, unless you've got any other comments, I want to do my uh, favourite part uh, of the of the week. So um, any further comments before we jump into the really, really... Fun bit, which is the Stoke City quiz. Uh, just one thing, obviously, anyone who is expecting Simmer to make his debut on Saturday, I very much doubt he's going to be starting because, obviously, if anyone who doesn't know, he has been playing for Senegal um, during the international break and he hasn't even trained with us yet. But, like I say, if it is to be Fletcher on the bench and him, then what, you know, what a bench... We've got there during to, to what options we've got to come off the bench, you know, to turn the game if we need to, especially like I say, if if Nick Powell's maybe on the bench as well, then yeah, or if, you know, what, what great options we'll we could have there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. I think yeah, he'll be on the bench hopefully, but again, maybe I'll just give him a bit of time off um, and just say, look, don't worry about you know, turn up, sit in the stands. Enjoy the match and we'll go again next week. Um, but yeah, either way, we're more than covered. So um, again, we asked everybody uh, this week what uh, what Dan should be quizzed on. Uh, we were given uh, kind of, well, four options and they were very much determined to be club legends and I don't think anyone would really have too much of an argument. So uh, the options were uh, Ryan Shawcross, Rory DeLapp, Ricardo, Ricardo, Ricardo Fuller <laughs> and uh, Liam Lawrence. And just as a bit of a hint on which one uh, won the, uh, the actual poll, let's just give you a bit of an insight. Awful ball for a player of Karen Perry's ability. Straight to Delap. Olafinjana De Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Yep, so uh, the one and only Ricardo Fuller. So he won the uh, the poll there with a huge 34%. But I say huge, actually. I mean, Shawcross got 28% and Rory Delap got 26%. Uh, Liam, with apologies, mate, but um, obviously only 13% uh, went for yourself. But uh, yeah, I tried to I tried to not get Fuller, to be honest, because um, for anyone who doesn't know, Dan um, is the love child of Ricardo Fuller. So, um, My main man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping the, the I must admit I don't think these are overly difficult, but I want everyone to try and play at home as well because it's a bit of fun. So there's going to be ten questions, um, obviously all about uh, the one and only Ricardo Fuller. So uh, Dan, are you ready? Oh well, yeah, I'm ready. Throw right, some Rick at me. <laughs> I think these are easy, mate. So I'm expecting ten out of ten here, right? So uh, question one: 
What is Ricardo Fuller's middle name? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. I have no idea, but if I'm gonna guess. Uh uh I I don't know. Dwayne. You you're joking me, you've Googled that. I've not. It's Dwayne, mate, yeah. Is it? It's Dwayne. <laughs> yeah. No way, I can't believe you I can't I can't believe you got that. Um, um yeah, so uh Dwayne is correct. So that's uh one out of one. Um okay, so question two. How much did we pay for Ricardo Fuller? Half a million pounds. Correct. From Southampton. And uh, in what year did he did we actually sign him? Ooh. Right, so let me let me maths out here. He didn't he signed the year before we got promoted in the October. Or was it September? If there were September or October and he so we got promoted two thousand and eight, so seven, eight, so six, seven, so it would have been October Oh, you only the year, don't you? So it was 2006. It was either September or October. Correct. Three out of three. Well done. Oof. Question four. He was Stoke's top goal scorer in his first season with us, but how many goals did he score that season? Ah, right. Okay. So he got 15 the year we got promoted, and him and Liam both got 15 that year. I don't think he got that many the season before. Uh, possibly because he probably spent about seven or eight games out suspended. Hitting <laughs> people. Um, I'm going to go guess at 12. So close, unlucky mate, 11. Oh. And I was going to ask you question five, but you've already uh, answered the question. So in the promotion winning season, how many goals did he score? Correct, it was 15. So question four was 11, question five was 15. Uh, question six, uh, Fuller scored his 50th Stoke goal, which was a European tie. But what team was it against? It was Besiktas, and it was an outside-the-area top-corner job that he never really scored. <laughs> it wasn't there with the kind of Ricardo Fuller goal at all. <laughs> but, he, but yes, Besiktas away. Love it. Smashing it, mate. Lovely. Um, so Fuller left Stoke in 2012, but which team did he next join? I I'm not 100% on this. Was it Charlton? It was Charlton. Mate, you're smashing it. Not Maybe not 10 out of 10, but I reckon you're going to get nine here. Okay, lovely. Question eight. Um, how many Premier League goals did Fuller score for us? In total, this is, obviously. Right, so... That was his 50th and final Stoke goal, as far as I'm aware. In that, so he scored 50 goals for Stoke. Now, take out cup goals. We just, I could, yeah, so we're saying he probably scored what, 20, 26 in the championship. So we're already down to, I'm going to say 18. Oh, no, unfortunately, not mate. 24. Quite respectable. Oh. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, now this is an interesting one. I thought it would have been more, but let's uh, let, let's ask anyway. How many Championship Player of the Month awards did Fuller receive while being a Stoke player? This is any time while being a Stoke player. Right. Okay. So he would have had one and just under two seasons worth, one to to get them awards before we, went, before, before we were promoted. So these are Championship ones, are they? Championship Player of the Month, yeah. 
Okay. Championship, I would say two. Oh, one. I thought well, it was going to say one, one and then I thought, surely not. Yeah, so one. And then final question. Uh, so question 10. How many goals has Fuller scored in his professional footballing career? This includes Hanley Town. Oh, his professional career. Oh, this could be well, could be well out here. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't give you an easy option to get ten out of ten. Do you know what I mean? That's no. What, what, what's, what's my margin of error? <laughs> I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a healthy margin of ten here. Right. Okay. So he scored fifty for Stoke in what five, six years. So we're going to go with. Because he did have quite a few injuries as well, didn't he? So I'm going to go with 120. Oh, mate. Excellent guess. 121. What a guess that is. Fantastic guess, mate. So out of that, I got that you... You've got three incorrect. So seven out of ten, mate. Very respectable score. Well done. Obviously, well done for anybody else uh, at home who got... Um, either equal that. If anyone got ten out of ten, um, please you know take a picture of it or or what, you know of your sheet or whatever, and uh, and send us a tweet to every step along. We'd love to love to see it. Um, so yeah, well done for that, mate. That's another uh, week. We'll have to think of another category as well for for next week. Um, but yeah, thank you obviously to everyone um, for listening and uh, obviously sharing uh, obviously your your hour and twenty odd minutes, no doubt, uh, of this particular part. Um, so remember, um, every week it goes live around seven a.m. every single Friday. So make sure that you're subscribed, you follow, etc. In whatever capacity that you want to do that, make sure, as I said, you follow us on every step along. Um, and you know, it's always great to to get the interaction. So, um, Dan, any parting uh, wisdom that you've got for us? Uh, no, just looking forward to, to you know two two home games over the next seven days, and hopefully, you know six points in the bag. Hopefully so, mate. I'm going to actually one thing we should probably do is actually our predictions as well, shouldn't we? Actually, actual score predictions. Um, we missed that. We forgot about that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, probably rookies. I think we should quit now, mate. Well, we're at it. Um, so, <laughs> oh well, there's, there's always a first time. So, three-one uh, Stoke. Yeah, I'm going for a pair of wins. Um, yes. I think, yeah, Huddersfield. Um, I'm going for goals galore. 4-2. I think it's going to be, yes, 4-2 on Saturday. And then I think a nice, comfortable uh, 2-0 win on uh, Wednesday night. Lovely. We'll take that. So, yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you all very much next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.